This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. KYW Original Podcasts. Hi, I'm KYW's Dave Uram. Today's Philly sports playback is about former Phillies GM Ruben Amaro Jr. In fact, Amaro Jr.'s held many roles with the Phillies. He grew up around the organization when his father, Ruben Amaro Sr., was working for the club. He played for the team, including at times during the memorable 93 season. He was their assistant general manager when they won it all in 08, and he took over for Pat Gillick the very next season. Ruben's been a part of several different eras of Phillies history. This is part of a longer conversation that I had with Ruben last week that included talks about the current negotiations happening between baseball and its players. If you want to hear that, that's on a previous episode of the KYW Sports Pod. But for now, here's a look back, a playback with Ruben Amaro Jr. Well, with no games, it's been really easy to look back at some of the, the great moments in Philly's history, and you're, you're involved with many of them as a player and as a front office executive. Uh, 93 Phillies, you were up with them at, you know, at times during the season. Uh, you were with them bef- you know, the season before, 92, which wasn't as successful. Uh, you know, going from worst to first, what was the mindset like in spring training when nobody was giving the 93 Phils any chance whatsoever? Well, it was a bunch of veterans that had come in. Um, Lee Thomas had signed a bunch of guys, particularly in the outfield, but we had brought a bunch of guys in that, I, uh, you know, the feeling was, that, you know, maybe one hit wonders for them that uh, that could help a team. And, uh, you know, Jim Fergosi ended up using that uh, that organization or the, that, that group of players in a way that was uh, pretty extraordinary. We had three, ended up having three uh, platoons at second and left and the right. Um, I was just scratching to try to make the team at that point. They had signed, you know, Eisenreich and they had uh, Chamberlain and, and, and others, Milt, Milt Thompson and uh, Incabilia. So I was like the kind of the odd man out. So it was an interesting situation for me. But um, but it was different because there was a different mindset. I think there was a feeling that uh, that these guys could do something different in spring training. I was sent out to play in uh, in the minor leagues at the outset. But, um, but when I came back to the big leagues, I will say this. When I came back to the big leagues, I remember I was out having a, a cocktail, uh, uh, an adult beverage, and uh, here comes uh, Larry Anderson and Terry Mulholland. They come over to me and say, hey, young man, get your butt back to your house, go to sleep, get your rest. You might be playing tomorrow because we have a game to play. And they would never have said that um, in 92. And in 93, things got very, very serious. Well, you guys got off to such a hot start. You were 45 and 17 on June 14th, 11 and a half up in the East, which is 
insane. But you kind of backed into the postseason, and then you faced the powerhouse Braves, which nobody really gave you guys much of a chance. Kim Batiste has the great walk-off in game one, but then the next two, Atlanta really you know, won but convincingly. So you're down 2-1, you're in Atlanta. How are you guys able to pull off three victories in a row to win the National League? I think it was just a matter of veteran leadership, you know, it was uh, to me, it was uh, Darren Dalton and, and Lenny Dykstra, who was the most, one of the most best prime time players I've ever been around. He probably has the best numbers of any playoff uh, player in, in history of the game. I mean, his numbers are extraordinary. He just loved the, the limelight. And I think there was a group of guys that just believed in themselves. They just said the heck with everybody. We don't, we don't buy into the fact that we're just, you know, uh, we're just a bunch of guys who, you know, who are, who are scrambling around here. They, they bought into the fact that they were professionals. They did everything they could possibly do to win. And they each had their back all the time. And I think that was really special, pretty extraordinary uh, part, uh, being extraordinary, uh, being a part of that. Well, it was, it was only one year. Um, and, um, you, you know, but, th- but despite the fact it was one year and you guys came so close, that, that 93 team – is is so beloved. Why do you think that is, even though it didn't win at all? I just think the attitude of the team. I mean, it was a bunch of guys. Who, um, it was almost like a beer league team in a lot of ways for, for some of the fans. And I think that um, they th- these were a bunch of guys that didn't care about money. They didn't care. You, know, you could tell that they, it was all about, you know, um, winning baseball games. And that takes on a life of its own, particularly in Philadelphia, because the bottom line in Philadelphia is, you got to win. And, uh, and that's all these guys really cared about. Um, from Darren Dalton to Terry Mulholland to Kurt Schilling to, I mean, every single one of the guys, Mitch Williams, all the way down the line. And Dave Hollins was a very close friend of mine and remains so. But um, these are, these, their, their mindset was, let's win baseball games. Let's try to do what we can to win a championship. And it was, you know, obviously disappointing at the end. But but I think the uh, I think the fans just uh, gravitated towards that because I think they thought it was really um, that was their goal and it really was. Well, fast forward 15 years later, you guys did win it all in 2008. You're an assistant general manager on that team. Growing up in Philadelphia, growing up around the Phillies, what did it mean to be a part of that championship winning team for you? Um, yeah, the most extraordinary thing for me uh, beyond after winning that was being on the float. I was fortunate enough to be in the 1980 float when we were, my dad was a, a coach for that club. Um, and uh, we were, you know, uh, we had the parade during, uh, through the city. Um, but being on the float and watching, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year old men and women literally crying, saying things like, you know, I can die and go to heaven now because we've won. Um, it was a real emotional time for me because not just because I was part of the team, but because this is part of this is my city. I grew up in it. I, I, uh, I was born and raised here and I know how passionate and how neat, um, how badly people needed this for our city and, and for it, for us to be, uh, be able to bring that kind of joy to the city. That was, that was extraordinary. Well, quite a team that you inherited and and stepped into that general manager's position after Pat Gillick stepped down in 2009. A first-time general manager stepping into a world championship team must have been quite an experience. And and you kept it active all those years in 09, 10, and 11 with with trades and moves at the deadline. Very, very active. Raul Abanez, Cliff Lee. I thought Pedro was was a great – Pedro pitched well against the Dodgers. He pitched well in game two against the Yankees. Of course, Doc and Roy Oswald and Pence. Why was it important to be able to stay so active in the buyer's market when you had those great teams? 
Well, I mean, again, uh, I, my, my philosophy on the job of the general manager is to try to win and win championships. And um, we were clearly in an era when uh, we had three or four uh, core players that were probably right in the middle of their of the height of their um, uh, their abilities to, to perform uh, in Chase and Jimmy um, and, and Ryan. Um, uh, and obviously we had Cole and others. Chooch was really coming on as a, as a player full, full time. Um, it was an era when I think we had to capitalize on and, and uh, we had put a lot of resources into it. The, uh, the owners had, had uh, obviously we were in a, in a new ballpark. Um, we had built for this. We really, uh, when Ed Wade embarked on uh, as a GM embarked on his mission, which was to get good and stay good. That was part of it. And it was with a core and then bring in, you know, real quality players to, to continue that process. Um, and, you know, it, it, at the end, we did not win more championships, but I was pretty proud of the fact that we were, we had a chance to win championships every one of those years um, until things started to break down on us. And, um, and you know that's part of the game, unfortunately. And and, and in in hindsight, I guess in foresight, hindsight, I guess it would be nice to maybe break down the team a little earlier than 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 uh, than we did. But it was difficult because we still had some talent there, and we had contracts we had to deal with and such. But hey, um, that was the mindset: was to win baseball games and to try to bring in as much talent as we possibly could. And not only that, but the team players wanted to come play for us. Um, we we set a uh, a standard in baseball, I think, where um, you know, and and the fan base produced this as well because they were selling out games every day. Um, you know, we set a standard for us to want to, you know, bring more championships here to the city. And one of the players that wanted to come play in Philadelphia was Roy Halladay, who you traded for and then signed to an extension before the 2010 season. What did it mean to give Doc the opportunity to be on a championship contender after all those years with the Blue Jays? Well, that was one of the things that was real important to me. I knew, I knew a lot about him. I'd done a lot of research about, about the man himself. And one of the things that I knew that he wanted to do was to play in the playoffs and try to win a World Series. And so... It was a great fit for us. His, 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 uh, in one of his homes and was in Palm Harbor near, near, uh, Clearwater. I think it was, a, you know, I, I didn't think that Toronto was going to move him to the, to the Yankees. So we had a, um, we had a pretty good situation there. And, uh, and I'd gotten some feel that, um, that this is the place he wanted to play. Um, and, you know, when you get a, a guy of that caliber and you have that kind of a club, I mean, all you really want to do is give him exactly what it is that he wants, you know, um, not only the city, but, but, but to the team and, and particularly for him because he works so hard to try to, to, uh, to master his craft in, in a way that, uh, that he could perform at, that, at, at the highest level. And you saw that in his very first performance against Cincinnati, you know, throwing a no-hitter. I mean, it was just, just amazing. I mean, it makes me emotional still just think about you know, he had lived and worked his whole life to pitch in a playoff game. And the very first one he pitches in, he, he throws in one no hitter, which is just, it's unimaginable, but, um, but it is for him. Uh, and it was for him. And that was, that was pretty, pretty uh, poignant time for me and, and for, you know, for our club. Great memories for Phillies fans. We all remember when it kind of started to take a downturn when Ryan got hurt in that game five against the Cardinals. At that time when that happened, obviously you're concerned about Ryan's immediate health, but could you sense the trajectory of the franchise taking another direction in that specific moment right there? 
Well, not necessarily in that specific moment because we felt pretty good about the the year coming in. Um, it's one of the reasons why Papelbon was signed. Um, you know, we we ended up uh, losing not just uh, Ryan, but um, as as you've heard, and now a bread probably. You know, we lost Doc to a back injury and a shoulder injury. Um, I think Chase Sutley went down with some of his knee issues that year as well, and then we had just a. Uh, multiple uh, things happened such that we just couldn't really recover. We ended up being like a 500 team in 2012. And we probably had, we had more health. I think we would have been much more of a playoff contender, Um, but our health started to go South um, and things just didn't, uh, didn't progress real well. We tried to hold on to that, try to hope that some of these guys could bounce back. But, um, but yeah, it was a pretty, pretty tough period of time because uh, you know, we started working on the downslope and we were trying to hold on and uh, maybe try to hold on too long. And the last one I have for you on the flashbacks, Ruben, and you kind of alluded to it earlier when you said when you look back, if there was anything you would have done differently, maybe broken down, broken it down a little bit earlier. Is there anything else other than that? When when you look back, you're thinking, "Mm, wish I would have done that a little bit differently. Um, I just think that uh, when we ended up making that trade for Halliday and getting him and then signing him to the extension, we probably uh, we probably would have benefited more of either holding on to Cliff Lee at that time, or taking our time to be able to uh, replenish our our organization, which was the goal um, with the Cliff Lee trade um, with kids who were a little bit more close to the major leagues. Uh, we ended up getting three guys that uh, were really strong prospects, but very young. Um, and uh, in in Ramirez, Omont, and uh, Gillies, those guys were, you know, very very good young prospects. It's too far away from the from, from the major leagues, and we probably should have taken more time. One of the issues with that is that we we would have like revved up the fans, thinking that hey, hey we're going to have these two or three guys at the top of the rotation for the start of the season, and we didn't want to make that happen. So, um, if we had taken a little bit more time with that trade, I think that would have been more uh, that would have been a better thing to do, and. Uh, and then uh, if we just held on to them, I think that that would have changed some of the trajectory too. They were still very memorable years. You guys were, you guys were at the top of the National League, very competitive contenders every year. Ruben Amara Jr., former general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, former player on the Phillies, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Stay safe. Absolutely, Dave. Anytime, and uh, thanks for having me. That's former Phillies general manager Ruben Amaro Jr. Thank you for tuning in to Philly Sports Playback on the KYW Sports Pod. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.